You're listening to Felony Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Hey, here we are, Felony Inc. <laughs> um, and we have a special guest today, Big Herc. Um, so we're going to talk to Big Herc about um, his tactical stuff. Big Herc, are you there? Yep, I'm here. I think um, one of my uh, tattoo artists um, listens to your podcast. DZ? What? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, he don't have a mic. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's a YouTube channel. Okay, yeah. So um, I'm really excited to hear about this because uh, this stuff um, is excellent. And let me just, uh, Herc, before we get started, let me just do a quick intro for you, man, um, so people okay. know who we're dealing with right now. This Thank is, you, Dick. <laughs> this is my first time uh, actually recommending a guest and, and it coming through like all the way, like a guest that hasn't been on before. So it's kind of a big moment for me. And... Uh, in in my opinion, I think you are absolutely a legend in in terms of what we're trying to do here with Felony Inc. And just, you know, really just trying to slow the recidivism rate of uh, ex-convicts and provide them outlets and resources and information and education to get their, you know, their affairs in order and their life together for once. And um, so just real quick, this is uh, today we're interviewing Marcus Big Herc Timmons He's from Sacramento, California, correct? Yep, that's why they call me uh, the 916. Yep, I figured that. I spent a ton of time in Sacramento uh, 20 years ago. I was involved really heavily with the music industry and uh, was trying to launder drug money and uh, was spending a lot of time down there with uh, <laughs> a couple of artists, uh, Brother Lynch Hung, um, Tall Kanji, BG, a bunch of a bunch of people you may be familiar with. But um, Yeah, I, I was locked up with Sebo before he even took off. So there you are. Yeah, you already know them. And uh, <laughs> um, basically... Sacramaniacs? <laughs> Yeah, Sacramento music was really, really on top back in uh, the late 90s, and um, it just always appealed to me. So I spent a lot of time down there, you know, on Mac Road and just all over the place in the gardens. But um, basically, Big Herc has uh, a web YouTube series called Fresh Out, Life After the Penitentiary. Total, it has over 100 million views, combined views for the YouTube channel, which is astounding in my opinion. Has half a million subscribers. Uh, right now, he's going to be plugging um, something that's called Big Herc Nine One Six Life Coaching and Fresh Out Mentoring Program, which I'm really excited about talking about today. Um, and just the list of accolades goes on and on. But in my opinion, uh, you have made it, and you are essentially what we are attempting to be, which is just a tremendous outlet for uh, just the community and for people that are fresh out. Um, Typically, we begin the podcast by kind of getting a grasp of your upbringing, you know, your childhood, kind of the path that led you on to getting into trouble and then your situation that you got into trouble for. Um, if you want, feel free to elaborate on that and let us know what uh, what started the whole Big Herc situation. Uh, um, you want me to start from my, from youth, from childhood or kind of like or when I jumped to when I actually started getting in trouble or uh, let's do it. Let's start with childhood. What, I mean, you grew um, up in Sacramento? Yeah, yeah. I was born in uh, Rancho Cordova at um, Mater Air Force Base. Um, 
my mom had me real young. She was 14. You know, I never met my dad. Circumstances are cloudy as far as what actually transpired, but uh, it, nobody's never talked about the elephant in the room about that. So I never really got the full story. But anyways, uh, she had me young, so I can recall her, you know, being still in high school when I was little as far as um, going to school and my, my grandmother kind of, you know, taking care of me. So I spent a lot of time with my grandmother growing up. Um, my mom eventually got married to another guy when she was roughly 18, 19. And, um, he was in the, he went into the coast guard. So we moved from Sacramento and uh, moved to Texas for a little while. And, um, you know, that was my first experience. like kind of leaving the state and culturally being, um, subjected to just a, a different type of mentality. And so we were there for a little while. I was still a little kid. I was only there from first to second grade. And then I moved back to, uh, we moved back to the Bay area, um, because military, you move around a lot. And I ended up living in on treasure Island and, um, in the early eighties from third grade to sixth grade. And it was on a military base in the middle of the Bay bridge. And, um, I, I went to school in Hunter's point and, uh, it was just an interesting experience, man. It was fun times. I mean, I was uh, right in the thick of uh, when BMXing was real popular. So I was in the, the whole BMX freestyle thing. I used to, I was doing all the tricks and, and really into uh, freestyling on the bike. And then I know, got an escape. Do you know Jesse What's Puente? That? Do you know Jesse Puente from LA? I don't know Jesse okay. Puente. Brian Garcia, Tazrock. Oh, those guys were no. like, they were into the BMX freestyle thing. Did Pepsi. See, I was, I was, I was kind of like, I guess we were like as little kids, we would look at the magazines and kind of fantasize about being in Southern California and skating the parks and stuff. Cause in Frisco, I mean, well, and all you had was Golden Gate Park. So that was a big thing out there was going to Golden Gate Park. And then I got into skateboarding and that's when like, uh, it was like the, the heydays of Pal Peralta, you know, Steve Caballero, Tony Hawk. Yes. That was my um, Tony Alva. Oh, Tony yeah. Alva. Oh, wait, I was, um, that's a little uh, bit before Soy, the Tony Hawk. Um, um, Magnuson. I mean, I was like right there. Like we used to go to um, hate, hate on skates in Frisco. We used to go to Chinatown Banks. I was skating in Barcadero. I was doing all this stuff when I was probably like 12 years old. You know, awesome. I was a little kid. So I was really into skateboard. I wanted to be a professional skateboarder. And then, um, you know, it, and there wasn't a lot of black kids out there skating. So it was a handful of us because in Hunter's Point, everybody was into basketball and more street stuff. And I was like, you know, I went from breakdancing to skateboarding. And, you know, I kind of fluctuated between skateboarding and BMXing. But um, I was a straight A student, man. I never I got maybe one one or two B's on my report cards all the way up until probably the eighth or ninth grade. So I was a really smart kid. I had a lot of uh, 4.0 uh, certificates growing up. I was really academically inclined and then um when my mom got a divorce and we moved from the bay area from that treasure island which was kind of like an isolated little base and every, all the kids kind of you know did their thing and you had all the military influences i moved to the back to sacramento but we moved to a part that was kind of like the hood and um it was a dope dope park down the street it was a lot of penitentiary ju dudes there was a lot of street stuff going on and this was right when like uh drug dealing was popular the crack the drug dealing <laughs> everything it was like you know it was cool to be a dude you know have the the cutlass on d's the jerry curl the starter you know the 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 what do you call it the uh the troop jackets and the you know all that stuff 
5.0 the 5.0 drop exactly all that shit Word. was like man i mean shit you were a superstar if you had that i mean you had a cutlass on d's man you were you were the man you could basically sleep with any girl in the neighborhood so uh you know i was still pretty much a square going to school playing basketball but then my mom was working two jobs and it was just it was me my mom and i had a little brother and sister and she was a single parent and i mean it was pretty rough and you know it was a, it was a it, it was an impactful time and then me being felt like i had to be a man because you know being in the hood now i have to it's a different it's a different type of uh persona you have to put on because everybody everybody in the hood is like about like having a rep so i didn't have an older brother i was kind of like you know i i grew up in sac but i moved when i was little little so i had to you know kind of build my rep up so i felt like i had to be that dude and, and it came a time like after my freshman year of high school after playing football and basketball and I'm, you know, I'm seeing how the girls are responding to guys selling drugs and, and I'm kind of seeing like the influence of like rep representing the neighborhood and gang banging. I felt like I had to kind of take on this persona. So, um, I got into selling drugs, you know, this summer going from freshman to a sophomore and, uh, started hanging out and, you know, was out there selling drugs with guys who were, you know, in their probably late twenties, early thirties, and I was real young. Me and my little crew. You were and, a straight um, A. You were a straight A honor student drug dealer. Straight A honor student drug <laughs> That's dealer, awesome. man. I mean, it's not. Awesome, you know, but... I, I I had a teacher as a freshman <clears throat> who taught uh, geometry, and he he brought in a he brought in a brick phone to class one day, and he traded stocks over the phone, and kind of spoke on stock market and trading and making money. And I always had dreams outside the hood, so I thought, well, man. You know, what if I could turn my money into, you know, maybe trading stocks and get this guy to show me how to do that? I said, you know, eventually maybe I can make that transition, you know, because uh, my favorite show back then was Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. And I used to watch that religiously and I used to sit around and I looked at the neighborhood and I used to think like, man, why is this just why is everybody comfortable with this environment? Why isn't anybody really trying to have this rich shit? So I kind of I don't know. I had a fantasy of like somehow getting out the neighborhood and maybe, you know, somehow, uh, I don't know, I could have take, taken the drugs and taken to a different level. And, um, you know, so I got caught up in all that, but even before I did the drug dealing, um, I tried to, I tried to get into fashion and design. I mean, I, I had, a, I, I wrote Nike and I wrote Adidas and I sent them shoe designs. You know, I tried to, uh, I tried to look at shoes with, you know, becoming real popular. And I tried to, how did that work out? Did you get responses they, they, from them? They wrote me a letter and said at this time, when, you know, they sent me an application for, uh, uh, what do you call it? A release of uh, design, something so they can actually look at the design. And then after I sent it to them, they wrote me back and said, at this time, we're not accepting any uh, admissions. But coincidentally, it seemed like a year or two later, man, I could have swore I'd seen a shoe of mine similar. No, that's what they do. You know what I mean? On the market. I no, mean, I was, that's, yeah, they, they, when you released the design, they owned it. Yeah. So, I sent them a little thing. I was young. I mean, nobody in my family had new business, but I, I was always coming up with shit. I wrote Nike. I even wrote, uh, when video games, when a television was popular in Coleco, hmm. I came up with a video game, uh, design and a cut, well, concept. And I, I did the different stages and I actually, drew it out and I sent it to them too. I mean, I was doing all kinds of shit. I was trying to hustle, but yeah. you know, it's just a kid running circles. You don't have any, you know, any mentoring. And eventually what, where I landed was the streets selling dope. 
And, um, you know, got caught up selling crack at 15, went to YA, I mean, Juvenile Hall. Um, I was in there with SIBO, uh, a lot of 29th Street Crips, a lot of Oak Park Bloods. I mean, gang banging was serious. I mean, you know, dudes is up in there. I mean, 16, 17 year old, they're benching 315, 375. Dudes got 19 inch arms. I mean, it's like, it's real. You know what I mean? So I was in a thick of things. And, you know, um, that experience kind of like, you know, it, it, it was pretty crazy because it lasted a long time before I was able to kind of like get that mentality out. But, um, you know, went, went juvenile hall, did six months there. Um, fortunate. My mom, she ended up meeting somebody, got married. We moved to Huntington beach, the suburbs. And, um, you know, I lived there for a couple of years. It was culture shock. Um, I didn't realize how, you know, how advantageous that environment was at the time because I was so stuck on getting back to the hood that, um, you know, it, it didn't really, it didn't really sink in till later on in life where, when I reflected, but anyways, I graduated from Marina high school, the same school that Kobe Bryant's uh, wife went to. And, um, I came back to Sacramento when I was 18 and, uh, got right back into the fucking streets. Uh, got shot at, you know, gang banging with dudes, uh, you know, got involved in a home invasion, just beat downs, all type of stuff. And, um, I, I was going to college at the same time, junior college. And, <laughs> you know, I did one semester and I went to YA. I got busted and I uh, ended up getting arrested for the home invasion. Somebody told on me and um, went to wife. Yeah. You know, it doesn't last, you know, dude got caught six months later. He told on me and everybody else. And um, I ended up doing two years, eight months in YA. So I was fortunate in YA to go to fire camp. So when you see all these fires and stuff, I, I worked on those crews like in the kitchen and I used to cook for all the fire crews and stuff. So um, that was you, an experience. And they you feed know? you good on those fire crews, don't they? Uh, you know, you got, I think, a dollar something a day. I mean, the pay wasn't great, but the thing was, you no, were kind of like... No, they feed you good. Oh, yeah, man, I ate like a king. I yeah, actually the food. Did my first, the food is great steaks and... Um, yeah, I did man, a fire camp once. And, the first thing I remember is these giant steaks and giant hamburgers. Like just oh mm. man, we were we were in there grubbing. Man, the fire crew was, uh, you know, the kitchen crew. We 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 had it going on. So that was a that was a great experience. And actually, I did my first bodybuilding contest while I was in YA. You know, um, it, it was the counselors within there. One of them was a bodybuilder, and she actually um, talked the warden into letting me compete, and I won first place. So I had some people kind of like giving me little bits of here and there but i didn't really get the full um you know the full mentoring stuff so i kind of just still drifted around and so uh when i got out of ya i was 21 and the whole time i was ya i fantasized about all the women i could sleep with so i got into the uh adult entertainment industry when i got out of ya and um you know the big stripper no no i was the porn star i was i was putting down putting in work man and and i had my the name big herc um, I got that name when I was, before I went to Hawaii in Sac County, a guy who used to see me working out. He's like, man, you're like the, the black Hercules, man. You're like, you know, you always working out and blah, blah, blah. And so, uh, eventually it just turned into big Herc. And so when I left YA, my nickname was big Herc. And then when I went to the, um, when I went to the porn industry, uh, that became my handle big Herc. So, um, I got into porn, man, and I did porn for a couple years, and um, and uh, had you know had fun, got to you know meet a lot of cool people, and then uh, from porn, I, I got back into the streets again, went to college for a little while again, and and then started slinging weed, 
And um, with you know, back when Humboldt was cracking and Santa Rosa and all that, I was bringing pounds of weed to Sacramento, and that was my hustle. And eventually, that took over college, and um, I did that for a while, and then you know, got into other street stuff, and uh, eventually, um, that got me. You know, I led led me into the bank robbery, which you know got me uh, 120 months in the feds, and um, that's when I came up with the whole concept of fresh out when I was in the feds, as far as trying to do something different. And I had an epiphany while I was in the feds and really I love that found word. myself, you know, and uh, I had a couple of mentors that kind of showed me some things about being a man that I was never taught. And it changed my life. I love that word epiphany. So that led me up to where I am today. And when I was in the feds, the whole time I was in there, I basically, my hustle was the law. You know, I was already pretty, academically inclined so once i learned how to shepherdize cases how to research cases how to help you know write briefs and stuff like that i uh i formed a crew it was me a white guy a couple mexican guys a korean guy a belizean guy and we would basically um write briefs for people uh, pices um you know different mexican guys different black guys white we'd help guys basically get back in the court and that's how I made my my living in prison was uh, helping people with their legal work. And so that was my my main my main uh, source of income. And then we would do a lot of business ideas. We would, you know, brainstorm on different business ventures and concepts. And, um, you know, the whole thing was when we you know when I got out was to be self-sufficient and not be a victim and feel like, oh, I'm a black guy. I'm an ex-felon. I've been to prison. I've been to YA. I can't get a job. So I got out and hustled, but, you know, eventually my goal was to start this show and I met my business partner when I got out and I was still in the halfway house and I told him about the show concept and me and Big Ant eventually uh, shot our first episode of Fresh Out and that was in 2013. I got out in 2008 and uh, we just never looked back. I mean, we've been building momentum with the Fresh Out series for the last, you know, six years, seven years now. And um you know, I, during that time, I also came up with the Big Kirk 916, which is more mentoring young kids, um, life coaching, you know, just providing life lessons that a lot of kids don't have because there's not enough males in the household. There's no male role models. And, you know, all the questions I had as a kid, I tried to put those in the videos and just take my mindset as a young 14, 15 year old and and try to provide insight and that's kind of like what big herc 916 is about on youtube awesome yeah i mean that's an incredible story um uh, I, I have a million questions i'm just gonna start <laughs> i'll start with one uh real quick now when you started uh the fresh out penitentiary uh youtube channel did you have any idea it was going to go this big um i didn't really have uh, you know any idea how big it would get but my goal was to um I watch cops and I used to see guys sitting in prison watching cops. I'm like, man, this is crazy, <laughs> man. These dudes are watching cops, man. I mean, it felt like I was outside the matrix, like Neo and everybody was in the matrix, just programmed. And I'm like, dude, it, it drove me, it made me crazy. So I said, man, I got to come up with a show and, and, and basically give the, the people a program that they're going to, they're going to eat up and fresh out. going to be that program. And I knew it could be big. My goal was um, taking fresh out to be as big as cops. Cause cops is, been on for 20 years and the, you know the people who came up with the concept are worth a lot of money so i know fresh out can be big so that was my my long-term goal i mean 
Are you, uh, I mean, are you surprised at the amount of success this had, or does it feel just about right for the amount of work that you put in? Um, I feel like the work hasn't caught up to the success yet because a lot of the people that have subscribed to our channel, that have subscribed, that have basically that watch our channel haven't subscribed yet. So, like, only probably one third or one fourth of the people that watch our channel have subscribed, and then you have a lot of knockoffs. And the thing is, you know, I think that for what we provide and how we articulate what we have experienced and what we're sharing is so different than what everybody else is doing because a lot of people, you know, they, they, the tattoos on the face, they try to act like they're, you know, the, the, this all these stories and, and kids on the street, oh, man, those sound so, oh, man. It's like, dude, every day I, I was in prison, I felt like a loser. I felt like I was a piece of shit, man. I felt like, you know, how stupid could I be once I read about the laws and, and, and really what kind of money was being made off me being in prison? I felt like, man, I played myself to the, the highest the, the, the highest level at the lowest point. So there was nothing to be glamorized. We don't glamorize on our channel. So I feel like we haven't even really got our, our dues yet until we can get on a platform. And I can share this with people at a level where they can really see it for what it is and, and beyond YouTube. So, uh, you know, YouTube kind of... It, they they favor the entertaining aspect, the kid, people getting raped, you know, the guy getting shanked, the guy who's yeah. supposed to be the head of the, the Aryan Brotherhood or the guy who's the head of the Nuestra Familia. You know what I mean? That shit, man, those guys, they they don't want to be in prison. You talk to them, man, I know some dudes, and they'll talk to you and look you in the face, man. I've seen dudes cry. Hey, man, this shit, man, and you, you, they say, you got love, bro. You can still get out of here. This is They don't want to be there. There's no shot collar. Ain't nobody to shot collar. Those dudes are on heroin. They're strung out, man. Them dudes are depressed because they can't go home. And a lot of these guys make it seem like they became somebody because they got a tattoo on their stomach or they got this 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 whatever on their chest. And really, man, that shit is some bullshit. I wish I would have been in uh, Ivy League, Brown University or Berkeley or Stanford learning to be a damn nerd, bro. You know, I, I hate that I had to deal with violence and want to kill people or hurt people because they look like me or because of a, of a damn neighborhood you know or cons is stupid it's right stupid, man. i totally agree you're absolutely right man uh on that note let's do a quick commercial break and then we'll get right back to this cpa dudes where accounting is never boring their price is not based on time instead customers decide what to pay them they don't charge you for sending invoices phone calls emails texts or meetings they just get the damn job done find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio Tell them Dave and Lad sent you, and we'll send you a very special surprise. Seriously, we will. Today's episode of the Felony Inc. podcast is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this, such as press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business. And we're back. Dick, take over. All right. <laughs> So, Herc, uh, we left off uh, you talking about how, obviously, prison's not glamorous. Uh, we have a tendency to glamorize uh, shot callers in prison, but the reality of it is uh, these people are not living their best life. They're not happy with the situation, and, and what you went through obviously could have been totally avoided. But, in my opinion, do you think going—you know, for instance, I, I, you know, I watched uh, your interview, which I think everyone should watch. 
the Fresh Out Life After the Penitentiary. Um, the Your personal story on YouTube has a million views. You talk about how after two years of your prison sentence for bank robbery, you kind of felt like you were you had learned your lesson and you were over it. And then you had another seven years after that. Do you think if you would have got out after those two years, it, the end result would have been different than it is right now? Um, I, I think that I could have actually have gotten out and still been successful after those two years because those years, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't really, I wasn't one of those guys who walked the, who walked the yard, who gossiped about the things that, that I did on the street as far as the accolades. I didn't even tell anybody in prison I had been in the porn industry or talk about the people I robbed or the, the drugs I sold. I didn't even, I didn't really indulge in that because I didn't want to perpetuate that mentality. And so my first two years in prison, basically in a nutshell, what I did was, you know, I found a couple mentors, but one of the main things that helped me was I took a, uh, I took everything I had learned up until the point that brought me into prison. All the shit my mom taught me, the hood taught me, school, you know, the religious bullshit. And I got rid of all that shit. And what I did was I took, it's like a, in, in retrospect to a car, a car build, I took a chassis with nothing on it. And I started putting my pieces together, my, <clears throat> my, 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 uh, my brakes, my uh, control arms, my axles, my, you know, everything. I started building my own me with my own thoughts and, and, and my own beliefs. And so by the time I, I kind of got a car pretty much running with roughly two to three years, man. And that's when I kind of seemed like, fuck, man, you know, excuse my language, this is redundant. Now it's Groundhog Day. Now I got to deal with this. But I know I know the truth. I know that it was a trick that everything I bought into that led to the choices that led me to doing what I did was a was a it was a it was you know it was uh facilitated you know it was it was a mind frame that that i bought into and if i hadn't bought into that program i wouldn't have made those choices that led to me going to prison so you know i could have got out and i was ready i was ready to go man it was like i was at a horse at a gate at the kentucky derby and i was just waiting you know what i mean and i waited 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 but i avoided a lot of stuff man my whole fear was having to have to hurt somebody because of just the haterism man and, and, and getting more time, you know, I didn't have a family support. I didn't get one visit while I was in prison, you know, nine years of no visits, man, it could crush you. But for me, I had to use that as momentum for, you know, to get out and prove people wrong. So my whole goal getting out with this, was to basically get out here and have diarrhea on people who, who didn't come see me, people who wrote me off to show them that prison didn't make me a worse person. It actually, you know, showed me who I could be because I had to reflect. But not everybody does that. A lot of people go to prison playing dominoes, getting tattoos, joining gangs, talking about this and that. And so they never get the message. But Success. I got it loud and clear. Success is the best revenge. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, basically, um, I mean, it's it's sad that it takes that. It's sad that it takes you to get incarcerated to see who really is authentic and who really is there for you, who really gives a fuck about you. Because in reality, very, very few people do. And I think you definitely read that loud and clear. Um, one thing that I found interesting is I, I was watching an interview with you and you talked about when you were in prison, you had a vision board. And uh, I, I was just curious, what was on that vision board that you constructed in prison? Um, I had, I had I like a picture that. of like, uh, exotic travel destinations, like places I wanted to visit when I got out. Um, I had a picture of money. 
Um, I had a picture of a few different cars, um, like Ferrari, Porsche, Bentley, some other stuff, nice houses, um, just uh, watches, just different things I felt that were symbolic of of uh, certain achievement points that I want to, to try to uh, go after when I got out. And just to program my mind, this I have programmed my mind to be this thug type dude, this gangster. I had to reprogram my mind to, 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 for these things to be normal, for, to be successful, to be normal, to have money, to be normal. See, a lot of people are programmed to be poor. They're programmed to be just, uh, bottom dwellers, you know, because that becomes their norm. And I had to rethink everything. I, like I said, I was programmed initially and say, you know what? I ha- it's a conditioning process because the whole thing in prison is to break you. You know, it's to, it's to get you to be that, you know, that one dash, whatever, blah, 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 number and become an inmate. And I actually bucked against that and almost got in trouble a few times because when people, you know, guard you to say, hey, inmate, inmate, convict, come here. And I wouldn't answer. I just keep walking. And, you know, initially I almost got, you know, thrown on the ground a few times because they say, hey, did you hear me calling you? I said, hey, man, my name is Marcus, Mr. Timmons, Marcus Timmons. Or if you want to call me my nickname, Big Herc, but I'm not no, I'm not no inmate or no convict. And they would look at me crazy, like, who did this guy think he is, you know? And um, I would get that a lot. And even guards who would come and search my cell, they would see pictures of stuff on my wall or see me walking around with like a Fortune or Forbes magazine or Business Weekly and a Rob report or DuPont. They'd be like, oh, man, you think you're going to get out and get that? You think you're going to be out there, you know, driving this or having this? I'm like, yeah, man. I said, you're maxed out, bro. You're in here. This is it for you. You want the benefits? You want the job security? I said, I'm not scared to get out here and take chances and and to go out here and have another life. So, yeah, I'm going to get all that. And I use that to push me to, uh, you know, go after a lot of my dreams, man. And so that vision board, I looked at it every day. Every day I looked at it. And after I studied my law and did all my stuff in the law library, I would look at like the DuPont register. I would look at all these places. I'm like, man, all, all these different things that, I never experienced that I wanted to experience and I just manifested. I mean, that's really powerful motivation, obviously. Um, now, looking back, it's been a decade since you've been released. How many things do you think on the vision board that you've accomplished in the last 10 years? Um, man, I, I accomplished a lot of them, man. I mean, I, 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 I haven't moved into the house I want to move into yet, even though I could have bought a house a few times. I haven't did that, but I bought and sold over 50, probably 50, 60 cars. I, I've gotten right now, probably own close to probably over half, you know, my car is valued all together working on, you know, probably close to, you know, over, it's over probably three, $400,000 worth of cars I have right now. I mean, um, I live a good life. I mean, I, I've traveled, I've went on cruises, you know, I've done a lot of the things, um, started my own businesses, multiple businesses. Um, I've done, you know, some pretty, you know, different, you know, risque, different investments, everything from, you know, uh, clothing lines to actual, uh, apps. I mean, so I've done a lot of different things. Um, I think I still have a lot to, uh, to, to, to actually go after, but, um, you know, my wife tells me all the time, man, I mean, look at where you started from, you know, being in the halfway house to where you are now. And a lot of the people that when I first got out, that was kind of like just, looking at me crazy, I've already surpassed them. So I can't really complain because everything I've done, I've done through trial and error and learning firsthand. Nobody's given me nothing. There's nobody that came and said, Hey man, here's a business. 
you know, here's this car, here's this. I had to hustle for everything I got. And, uh, you know, I, I'm very grateful, man. So I've actually acquired a lot of the things. And, I, you know, I, I used to go through my little journal that I wrote in prison with all my ideas and, and just check them off. I'd try something and see if it worked. If it didn't, I'd, I'd go on to something else. Have you thought about updating the vision board now? You know, oh, yeah. I got, I'm, I'm in my office right now. I've got a vision board right in front of me. I have <laughs> I'm gonna you know, me pictures one. of... Uh, I, got I got a picture of a Rolex, a uh, Bentley, a big house. I have a whole list of what different kind of, goals. What kind of watch you got on right now? Um, I have a I have a Rolex on my board, and I have a Rolex, and I have a Cartier. So I've got my watch gold. I got my car gold for right now. I don't need any other cars. Um, my whole thing now is just consistently meeting people who I can network with. Who well, are well, you need to you come know, up positive. to Portland and swoop me and Dick up, and yeah. Bring that Bentley up here with your Rolex and slip us up. <laughs> I actually had just seen that on your Facebook that you had swapped out the NSX for a Bentley recently. Yeah, yeah, I got I got rid of the NSX. I had a pretty sick NSX, and I uh, I just got my Bentley, and I got a, a Chevelle that's really cherried out, a '72 Chevelle, Ooh, and I got 72. a couple other old schools that I'm I, like a pretty sick that I'm working on right now. So you like project got, cars? I'm, yeah, man, I, I could. Man, I got a '55 Chevy of, wagon. I'm trying to sell right now. <laughs> uh, message me later. A, it's a bad, it's a bad addiction, bro. No, I, mean, I know, I get probably, it. Oh, man, I got a lot of money in my Chevelle. And I got a '68 Cougar that's pretty sick, and you does, know, does I could go buy something else. Does, but, it got, you know, does the Cougar mean. have the matching numbers of the '351 Cleveland? Uh, no, Windsor, it, Windsor? It, it was. It's a Cleveland or Windsor. Cougar, my my Cougar now is, it, it had a, it had a 302, but it's all custom, man. It's got it's pro touring. It's got disc brakes, rack and pinion. AC vintage air. It's going to be a turbo 351 Cleveland with about 700 horsepower when I finish. Sweet. I had one of those. I think I had a 68. Yeah, I love Cougars, man. From the Bay Area, you know how they do it in the Bay. I have a very bad classic car um, uh, addiction. Me too. My wife is like. I mean, I wish like everybody in LA. It's all about floss out here. So the McLaren, the, the you know the Ferrari, the Gallardo, these guys. You know, I'm yeah. like, dude, I could have bought one of those. But yeah, those I are, you can buy those. You can't go yeah, get the classics. You know? Exactly. So Anybody with money could buy a Gallardo. I got a nineteen twenty three Dodge Brothers touring. It looks like the Beverly Hillbillies was sitting in a yard. <laughs> <laughs> I had to have it. <laughs> hey man. I think it's pers- it's more personality for me and I'm an old soul, so I think for me having bringing life to old cars, making them run good is less like it, 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 I'm I'm saving somebody or maybe I'm bringing somebody back to life or something. This guy's this guy's a man after my own heart. I have to. I'm gonna have to hit yeah. you up later on a reel because uh, uh, everything you're saying just fires on all cylinders with me. The whole thing about the prison thing, I got that. Um, I got clean and sober and ended up doing six years. Like everyone else is trying to do drugs and shit. I'm trying to start a skateboard company and you know, it's like and these dudes are all like doing dope and uh, stabbing each other right in front of me. I'm just like, oh jeez, dude, really? I go. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm trying to get to a minimum program, which they'll never let me to. But um, yeah, um, I'm trying to be chill. And I got to fight these dudes every couple of days on the fucking tier. It's crazy. You know, I I, <clears throat> I wish I would have. If they would have had X Games when I was a kid, bro, I would have probably been involved in that. I never would have went down the road I went down. I would have <coughs> probably had a skate skateboard company or something because that was what I, I love to do. And I always like seeing kids do stuff. And uh, I think, you know. Going to prison, coming out now, being a speaker. Like, I spoke at high schools. I spoke at colleges. I spoke at USC. I've spoke at a couple of uh, schools, like a school in South Central, a couple other colleges. And and I think that's my calling, man, is to share my my insight in life with kids who so they can relate. Because, you know, a kid can't relate to a 
you know, they can't relate to a, you know, a Jay-Z or Russell Simmons or some of these other people because yeah. it seems so far-fetched. But, you know, I've been in the system, man. I wasn't a bad kid. I didn't get beaten when I was a little or my mom wasn't on crap. But I made some choices, man, and I got around people. And, and so I've seen it from every angle. And I think, like, being able to relate, I can change a lot of life, you know what I mean? So that's kind of like through cars and... And, giving and is quote, the best you know. gift. And if, yeah, if you man. can give yeah. or inspire, you know, the one thing it's like, you know, I own a tattoo shop and I was been in prison, whatever. Every once in a while, uh, it happens more often than not, but someone comes up and, you know, they've been doing time or whatever. And I've known them from the joint or whatever. And they come up, Hey man, you really inspire me. And it's like, you know, I'm not really trying to do that, but it just kind of hits my heart a little bit. I'm glad I can do that. The, in, inspiring someone to do better is awesome. I mean, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Eric. No, no, go, go ahead. Oh, and, you know, speaking of inspiring, I just want to take a little, you know, honestly, I have a million questions for you, way more than we have time for today. Um, but the main thing I want to talk about is just to plug the Big Herc 916 Life Coaching and Fresh Out Mentoring Program. I'd, I'd like to know a little bit more about that, if you want to elaborate and kind of tell us what's up with that. Um, well, the Fresh Out Mentoring is more or less um, us trying to mentor young people who are on the, on the, on the, on the verge. You know, or on the cusp, you know, people who maybe have had run-ins with the law or maybe have had situations where they could have gotten in trouble or maybe they have been in trouble and trying to make a change, you know, trying to show them there's another way, you know, maybe trying to uh, give them that push that they may need to make that positive change and sharing, you know, our stories and talking. Because a lot of times as young men, you know, we have so much ego or pride and we're trying to seem like we're so manly. We don't let it out. So we don't talk. I mean, if I would have had somebody maybe talk to another man that was older that I respected and I could have talked to him about some of the social issues I was dealing with, maybe I could have had somebody tell me something that would have changed my direction as far as the choices I made. You know, hey, man, it's not good to sell dope or you shouldn't be robbing people. You shouldn't do this. You know, it's not cool to pack a 380 every day and, you know, and 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 have this type of mentality. You know, maybe I could have had somebody that could have, you know, gave me some choices that would have made sense. You know, what I mean, people that I respected. So that's kind of like what the Fresh Out Mentoring is, because that's the side where I've done everything that you want to, that you talk about. And I can, you know, and I've, I've been in the lowest of the low in the hood and I've been around guys on private jets. I've been around, you know, multimillionaires, you know, and I've seen how they live. And it's like, dude, you, you don't want to living, you know, you're programmed to be poor, but if you could have this, believe me, it's a lot better on this side. So, you know, that's kind of like what that is opening up that door. And then the big hurt 916, the life coaching is just, you know, things about life, you know, having somebody share with you um, maybe things that you never had the opportunity to talk about, you know, just the questions you've asked, you know, about sex. You know, I have kids that hit me up. Hey, Big Hurt, I'm a you know 21 year old virgin. What should I do? Should I pay for a hooker or should I what should I do? I'm like, don't pay for, you know, don't don't go down that route because then you'll be paying for the rest of your life. You know, what I mean, uh, Go on Tinder, bro. Get you a get you a three or four. Blow her guts out, and then you get your confidence up and work your way up. You know, <laughs> so you know I, I try to give kids this real talk because they can't go to their parents with this, and they really are embarrassed. So you know, me being that I've been, you know, in all these aspects from the pen to selling dope to being in the porn industry to gigoloing to doing this, I can talk about it all and 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 make it make sense. So the life coaching is kind of like 
answering those questions and also, you know, things about, you know, building confidence, starting your own business. So that's kind of like the whole life coaching thing is about. And, and you know, and we've kind of just kept evolving that. And we even got wixsplitterworkoutrightnow.com, which is more um, body transformation. You know, my business partner talks about nutrition and, and just becoming something, you know, changing your changing your outlook on life and your body physically. So, you know, we got a lot of things going on. That's incredible, man. You have a lot of irons in the fire. Uh, just out of curiosity, let's say I'm a parent. I have a, I have a teenage son or daughter getting involved in a gang lifestyle or you know drug dealing, whatever it is. How do I contact you or how do, how do kids that would like some mentoring con- go about contacting you? How does that process work? Oh, man, they just hit me up on Big Herc 916. I mean, I, my website has a, a subscription base and they can send me a message. They can message me on the website. And that's usually the easiest way, and I can respond to them on the website. And I also have different um, different tiers for the mentoring. So I have, you know, they can sign up, and we could do in person, or we could do over the phone. I've FaceTime people. I had a guy from Australia. I was life coaching. So I mean, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. Um, we can communicate, and I can, you know, provide that. And then on Fresh Out, the same thing. They can uh, send us a message through the website. So it, it's very easy to contact us all over the world if they want to, you know, get any type of insight. Okay, I mean that's a beautiful thing, man. Honestly, you know, in my opinion, you're doing very good service for the community, and just the society in general in terms of giving back. You know, with your experience and just uh, everything that you've been through. Uh, and speaking of, you know, the mentoring program, the uh, life coaching, I see on your website, freshoutseries.com, uh, you have consulting services uh, available. Is that is that coincided? Is that the same thing, or is that something different? No, the consulting. Um it, it, the consulting ties into like I tell people we're not lawyers, but if you're dealing with a, a, like a, a situation where you're going to prison and just like that Lori Laughlin where she hired a prison coach. I mean, you know, we got the game. You can we can coach <laughs> you on how to how to make it in prison, how to avoid the traps, you know, how to survive. What about family or, law? You know, um, if you're dealing with like a situation possibly or like um, a, a public defender and you're, you're, you got questions like, you know, there's some questions you should ask. There's some things you should know. Cause a lot of times we go into situations blind. So if you, you know, you get arrested, what do you say? What not to say? Um, kind of like how to read people. Tell, you know, I don't answer that, questions. Yeah. Don't ask your questions. And what I don't you know, answer questions. <laughs> a, a lot of times when you people, like especially people who don't have the resources, a public pretender, bro, they've already taken the deal. They already said, okay, the prosecutor, I'm going to give you these 10 guys and you give me one. So they don't even look at your case. They go in there, bro, and they got the weakest brief possible. So you almost got to do your own research. I mean, um, you know, I had a public pretender. And even in my case, which I got told on and, you know, we got we got caught in a high speed chase. I researched my case and was able to get two years knocked off my sentence. So, you know, it's still you still have action. There's still outlets for you. But you're, you know, a lot of times these attorneys, they won't do any extra work for you. You almost got to do your own homework and you can't depend on somebody to, you know, have as much interest in your well-being as you do. That's so, so true. That's the, you that's know, so true. that's the I'm whole dealing. thing. You know, think about it, man. You, you, you're going to you're dealing with prison. You're sitting there and you're hanging out playing dominoes and watching TV and you wait for a lawyer to tell you what the outcome is. That's crazy, man. That's crazy talk. I tell you. Yeah. That's crazy. It's crazy. Insane. Yeah, it is. But, you know, a lot of people just don't know any better, you know, so it's a beautiful thing that you bring the consultant services and give people the opportunity or option to be able to connect with you on that, because who knows, that could save someone's life, realistically. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the question, you know, question wise, I mean, I've seen a, I've seen a lot of guys in prison that actually went in and it, they're the ones who got their cases overturned. I've seen numerous guys get years, not guys who are doing 15, 20 years, life sentences, get the lights up. But usually it's the guy who's in the law library. I mean, you have all day. Basically, you get the weakest job you can in prison and you go in there, and you study. I mean, why else would you want to study? to get out you know some guys they go in there and they work in a factory 15 years for the you know for the government making you know 40 50 cents they think they're doing something why not put that time into research in your case maybe you can get out in two years two years earlier that's they, worth it it's worth it they get to eat top ramen yeah top ramen and uh what you call it uh honey buns yeah and cheese packs you know i was just recently watching uh the most recent um i know we were talking about vlad tv earlier but the the most recent Ricky uh, Freeway Ricky Ross interview, where he talks about there's a large majority of people inmates that aren't they have dyslexic, they have no ability to read, and uh, I, I obviously have been in a lot of libraries in jail, and it's it could be extremely overwhelming if you are intelligent, you know. So it's to me personally <laughs> just to have an additional person kind of backing you and and there for you and motivate you to actually get into the books and start understanding what books to look at. I think that's an incredible resource, just, you know, in my opinion. Well, usually what happens, like I went in there blind, you know, I didn't know anything about how the law, but there's some OGs in there, man. And they, they kind of tell you some of these guys, that's all they do. They feel good about helping other inmates learn about the law. And so I had an, an OG white guy, ex Vietnam veteran. He, he basically blessed me with a lot of legal knowledge, man. Shout out to Harold. He's passed now heroin overdose, but he, he opened up my eyes to a lot of things. And there was a couple brothers from the nation, you know, five percenters that like taught me a lot about the law. So people will help you. If they see you in there every day, you ask questions. They have no problem with kind of like showing you different things. And, you know, if you're, if you're around knowledge, you're bound to learn something, but if you're not around anything and you're out in the yard politicking, what are you going to get from politicking politics? And absolutely nothing. Just spin the wheels and stuff. Uh, That's it. Yeah, absolutely. And the crazy thing is, too, other than the counseling services, on your website you also are an uh, accomplished author. You have books for sale? Yeah, yeah. I've written a couple books. I wrote uh, I wrote uh, an urban erotic novel, Bedroom Gangster, while I was in a prison. I wrote uh, um, How to Get Down in a Porn Game, you know, How Big Hurt Got Down in a Porn Game. I wrote that while I was in prison because I used to have a lot of people hitting me up. So I wrote that, and they're both available on Amazon. Um, I got another book right now I'm working on as far as another erotic novel, and I got a, um, a autobiography I'm working on that should be hopefully dropping in March or April with another uh, co-author. So um, I got a couple of you know different things. I've been you know books that I've written, and, and I, I try to utilize my time wisely, man. The whole time, like I said, when I was in there, was trying to put together ammunition. So when I hit the streets, man, I, I have something to uh, I have something to access. I feel you. Uh, just out of curiosity, do you have a tentative name for the autobiography yet? Um, not yet, man. I haven't really. We, you know, it, it's. I haven't really. We haven't really came up with a name yet. I mean, the whole thing about it, this is kind of a different book where it's not just me telling a story, but it's me, you know, sharing my life experience, but also reflecting and, you know, asking like a a younger Herc, you know, hey, you know, if you had the opportunity, or if somebody could have told you something or influenced you. You know, during that time, what would it, you know, what could they have said or what could they have did? And I just try to think about like all these things that might be painful to reflect on and how I could have maybe have done something different. 
you know, and uh, that's the thing with a lot of kids, man. It's painful. It's painful to, you know, try to separate yourself from a group or trying to be an individual or trying to find yourself and, 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 and feel like you're, you're important. And, you know, everybody, all, everybody goes through it, you know, growing up, but some people are able to get that maybe from a football coach or basketball coach, or maybe their, their, their dad is a good, or mom is a, you know I mean? Can give them that. But a lot of times we look for people outside our household to get that. And it's few and far between, man. I mean, if you look at some of these college coaches, these guys' speeches are incredible. So imagine, you know, when you can get access to that and how it makes you feel when you're running out there on a the field. But imagine if you can get that when you're running out in the world of life. You know what I mean? I mean, we all need that. Absolutely. And, you know, we have to wrap up here pretty soon. But uh, I just want to say one thing. Um, first of all, it's really easy to get caught up in movies and television kind of telling you about the prison system and you know, a lot of people learning from people that have no idea what they're talking about. And for you to have this outlet and for you to have this, uh, just the Fresh Out series, Life After the Penitentiary, which I highly recommend on YouTube. If you don't know about it, go to Fresh Out, Life After the Penitentiary. Hit subscribe on YouTube. Incredible, incredible resource. I watched the, I watched a bunch from, you know, the Life in the Mexican Prison thing was captivating. There's just so much yeah. good stuff on there. I just, I mean, there's so much content. So you've, you've accumulated so much. I can't recommend it enough. And honestly, we could do like uh, three, four interviews with you. I'd love to have you back as a recurring guest, if that's possible. I want to yeah, give a big uh, sure. got to give a big shout to my guy Mason, who recommended you and put oh, me yeah. in contact shout with out you, Mason. Mason. Thank you, Mason, yeah, for this. Mason, Mason. Yes, yeah, been one of my favorite interviews by far. Um, and I feel like we just scratched the surface tonight, yeah, man. I do too. I feel like there's yeah. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> man, I hit I you mean, up. Shit, if you. Let me know, man. I'm I'm always down to share knowledge, bro. I think it's, you know, it's not enough people out there. And, uh, you know, if we could reach, you know, one or two people, man, it just, it, it's like, it, it makes a difference. Yeah. yeah. Can I give you a call later? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hit me I up, I want to talk to you about some family law. I'm going okay. through, I'm going through something right now, but yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I, the criminal law thing, I figured that out, but the, the family law things, you know, whatever, but let's, uh, you know. Yeah, basically, I just want to plug one more time, man. I think it's an incredible program, and it's a really good idea. And that's the Big Herc 916 Life Coaching and, of course, the Fresh Out Mentoring Program, which are, you know, incredible resource. And you, you just, you're really putting everything online, helping the community out and giving everything that you've learned and amassed and giving it back instead of just taking and taking. And I feel, I've said this before on multiple podcasts, I feel like it's all about spiritual currency. And I feel like the more you can impact society right. and, and, and lives in a positive manner, the better off everything is. And I agree. Thanks, man. That's a blessing, bro. I, you having this platform and being able to share my story, man. I, I thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. No, thank you so much. Thank for being you a part so much for everything you do. Big Herc. Thank you, man. Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all your calls live as if they're right there in your office. And with Ruby's mobile app, you can easily control how they screen, transfer, and take your messages. Together, you and Ruby transform your phone into the sales engine it was meant to be. Visit callruby.com slash startup radio to sign up, or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100. And use promo code STARTUPRUBY. Tell them Felony Inc. sent you and get $150 credit. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.